are live. Hello, everybody. Welcome, Internet. Uh, my name is Jordan, and welcome to the Saturday Morning D&D Show. I am joined always by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian. Hello. <laughs> welcome, everybody. I see some new faces in chat. And some of you are probably saying to yourself, where's Matt Colville this morning? Because we tweeted out a bunch of stuff saying he would be on the show. Um, we're not liars, but he had no, to reschedule. <laughs> So yeah. it's actually going to be next Saturday. Um, we'll have uh, Mr. Matthew on the um, Saturday morning D&D show. And we're just going to talk to him about Kickstarter and games and whatever else comes. So be sure to tune in next Saturday as well for a very special Saturday morning D&D show. Um, but on yep. this Saturday morning D&D show, let me pull up my show notes here. Yeah, and, let and me... uh, we, he even tweeted us, and he said, uh, it's going to be an awesome show. So he's promised us an awesome show. <laughs> <laughs> so you'll definitely want to be here next Saturday for sure, 12 p.m. Eastern. I hope so. We're both like, well, I don't know. I can't speak for Lucian here, but like, I'm super nervous because it's like a legit thing. I was like, we're only like seven episodes, and we're going to have like this crazy star on our show. But yeah, it's going to be we're great. huge fans. We're definitely huge fans, and we're we want to try to come off not as huge fanboys. We will probably fail, but we're going to try <laughs> to be you know like good questions, good interview. Because um, really, in in reality, both me and Jordan were inspired by Matt to do the content that we do on our channels. It was some of the stuff that helped us decide to do different yeah. things as we were playing out, and he's helped us with learning how to do our. You know, games that we play, I use a lot of his tips and tricks, and I know Jordan does too. So it's like, it's cool to be able to talk to somebody who's influenced in the last year or two a lot of what we've been doing in our hobby. So it's going to be great. We, I am super excited for next Saturday. I'm excited for today, though, because I know yeah. our show is great, and I love talking with Jordan every Saturday. In fact, I love talking with Jordan whenever I can. <laughs> um, but uh, I'm excited next week, too. So definitely show up also. Yeah, this will be um, a lot of fun. So... Uh, I guess we'll just kind of dive right into it. There's, we've got a couple of, uh, stuff to talk about, not really here and there, but, um, let's just dive into games. What did you do in D&D this week, Mr. Lucian? I had another busy week. Um, I, and I, I did have one little tiny bit shout out. I want to say oh, thanks ahead. to Lex who came last week because I had a thing I was doing Absolutely. on Saturday. So Lex came in and sat in and talked with Jordan. They had a good show uh, yes. last week. And I just want to say thanks, Lex, for helping out. I'm sure we'll have you on the show again at some point, or maybe we can do some other stuff with you. Oh, no, but for sure. But jumping back in. Yo, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. No, no, he'd love that. Um, and I just want to plug his YouTube channel, Dank Dungeons TV, because uh, it was really nice of him to step in. And we had a really fun show, even though I forgot to record it. So, yeah, but I remembered this week. So this video will actually be up on Monday um, for those of you interested. Part, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So jumping in. So uh, what do we do? So my Monday nights are right now Storm King's Thunder. And just like I had talked about a couple weeks ago when we talked about this, I finally have brought back together my two groups. I had them split and was playing one group on Monday, one group on Thursday, and we were alternating every other week to play to give me as a DM maybe more time for prep, more time for other games. It was kind of an experiment for a couple months. But I finally brought them back um, together, and they're now just playing on – it's a one large group, seven-player group on Monday night. We're going to play every week instead of every other week. And we talked about this a little bit. I'll maybe just touch on it again for just a second. There are advantages and disadvantages to having a game that runs every other week, and there mm -hmm. are advantages and disadvantages for a game that runs every week. Um, what I found is every other week uh, we had pretty good attendance 
for those games. It allowed me to be able to play one shots and do other stuff and prep other games and run more games than normal. But the problem was, is the players were having a hard time staying engaged between sessions because they were forgetting what happened two weeks ago. The excitement will last for about a week from one session, but then it kind of wears off after that second Mm -hmm. session. And they're not maybe as into it until you get going again and then they're back into it. So that I was kind of seeing that. Whereas if you're running a session every single week, you can keep that excitement up. But what I noticed with an every single week game attendance is hard and yeah. i think you've you're going to talk about that a little bit with your games when you're talking about trying to get your friends together every sunday it's been a little bit of a, a hassle too but you know that's what we deal with as dms that's what you're going to deal with uh for those of you that are your running games so so take do a you look cancel? at it like I, I should ask you do you can't because i cancel like uh and i i also game with a bunch of couples so like if one can't make it the other one's just like well if my husband can't make it i'm not gonna come and i'm like okay um, so when I lose a player, I always lose at least two players for game yeah. night, um, which then of the five people at the table, it kind of makes sense to just cancel the whole night because we're, we're, you know, a little less than half the people are just missing. But do you run it like have you run it with just like, oh, this guy's missing. We'll just run the game without him this week. Or what do you do? Yeah, our rule has been currently um, we've been kind of running with the rule. If one person's gone, we're going to still run the game. Mm-hmm. And I've practiced or experimented with i run their character for that session and i run i run them in a dumbed down version so that i don't have to because you're already running lots of npcs and you're keeping the game going so having to run a full character at fifth level can be a lot also so i'll run them as just like knowing what that character can do like i'm like i don't play your character i don't know yeah yeah right (laughs) (laughs) or but but the rule then is if more than two people are gone we cancel the game because i'm there's no way i want to play that much if we're going to have that much of a difference in how who is there um so that's been our running rule the other thing i've tried is we've let another player play the character which has been has worked the only problem there you get into is they get a little bit over metagamey when you have one player playing two characters, right? Mm-hmm. You got to have the right type of player who's willing to RP it the correct way and not set up some super crazy combos because they have two characters that they can use. They're looking at turn orders. They're they're yeah. planning in their head because all of a sudden they've got all these actions from two characters that they're playing and they're going to synergize it. That gets a little crazy, too. So you got to be a little careful there. But it lets the game keep going. Yeah. Um, and they get to make the death save. So if the death saves happen, it's on the player rolling them, not me. Mm. And then they come back. Because we've had that. A player was gone for a, a night, and his player, his character died on that night. The bard oh, wow. died. <laughs> yeah. So he comes back, and we're like, oh, sorry, you know, you died. They had to resurrect him. And I felt bad because he wasn't even there to roll his own death saves. He wasn't there to play his character smarter you know, or anything like that. So it's, it's definitely interesting. So, but that's storm King Thunder's Monday. That's on Twitch. You can check it out on, on YouTube. And we'll talk about that stuff towards the end. Um, my Tuesday night game is a adventures league game, but we're playing online with the Narcissus and I'm playing with PB and Nomadic from, uh, he does a podcast. Um, so they're all kind of content creators mm-hmm. and it's super fun. Small party, three people. Um, but the RP has been pretty fun. The game has been fun. Tomb of Annihilation Adventure League. Yeah, you're is running definitely... Adventure League rules. I wanted to point that out. Yeah. Like you guys are are playing. Now, are you playing the Adventure League content, or are you just playing Tomb of Annihilation? No, I, I believe it's the Adventure League content. Okay. I believe. I think that's how he's doing it. Um, and it's a little bit more hardcore. 
it feels like than some of the other games that um, I've seen or some of the other adventures. Um, we've had, we died in the second session that we had. The first fight that we had, two characters died. We had to make two new characters. Yeah. Um, and we nearly died in this last one due to um, low-level characters, but they had two attacks and they had pack tactics, and that whooped us being only level, second-level characters. Yeah. But it's a really fun game. That's a Tuesday night game, and I have a ton of fun there. Um, the thing that I kind of noticed about that, the DM was rolling really well, right? And it, Does he roll in the open? No. No? <laughs> <laughs> but I trust him. But okay. I trust him. Um, and the funny thing about it is sometimes even your best plans can be laid low by your DM rolling high and you rolling low. Because I did, I rolled single digits for like five rolls in a row, right? And there's just nothing you can do to mitigate that. And it made me think about if I was the DM or I'm a brand new DM, I, DM, I might be freaking out when that starts to happen because yeah. you're not realizing, you're like, I balanced this or it's balanced because of the module. It says it should be okay. But all of a sudden it looks like a landslide fight because he's getting 18s, 19s, and 20s and we're getting five, sixes, and 7s when we're rolling. So sometimes the dice can be very fickle in Dungeons and Dragons. There's a yeah. lot of dice swing there. There's so maybe that's something to keep in mind if you're running games too. That although you're trying to put a lot of effort into balancing, don't beat yourself up too much if it's the dice rolls that make something go awry because yeah. that can happen. Um, no, those that, TPKs that happen. Made, like that's oh God, just. Yeah. I mean, and it it can be like a really sucky night, but hopefully your players will just acknowledge that like luck was not on their side. Maybe they buy a new set of dice to get rid of their cursed dice or something. But but yeah, like I don't know that that happens, and I've been in that situation, and it's frustrating where you're just rolling like between one and five on every roll, and and your entire action is gone because you can't do anything. You know, yeah. especially early on, like. Like at level five, when you take the attack action, you can get two attacks, so it's a little better. But like, yeah, when you're level two, like, well, my entire turn is based on this roll, and I couldn't do anything. Or yeah. when the DM rolls uh, saving throws because you cast vicious mockery or something, and it's like, well, now I don't do anything. But yeah, it is persevere. <laughs> and, and a question I had too, because I noticed this was something I didn't realize um, in his campaign and in Ars's campaign. If an NPC dies, they are dead. They hit zero or go lower. That's it. Now, in my Storm King's Thunder, I let my NPCs do death saves to yeah. give the players a chance to bring those guys back. And they haven't. At times, you know, NPCs have died, but they've got a shot to bring somebody back. And Aris's game, it's like they go below zero, they're out. There and that's is no, just the NPCs? No yeah. Okay. Not player characters, but yeah. Not players. Yeah, yeah. Just so I was wondering in your game, are you letting your NPCs do death saves when they go to zero? Like even the allied ones, right? Let's say you have a a guide is following your party, or they have some type of pet, or they have something else. Do you let a death save happen for NPCs? Well, the only like we have a we have a fey corgi that the beastmaster ranger has, and when that hits zero, um, it's out of the fight. Uh, but after, at the end of the fight, they can like bring it back through like, well, medicine checks and on healing and things like that. So I don't like make the dog just gone forever. 
Um, cause I think that would make it really sad for the, the, the Beastmaster Ranger is really attached to this, this fake Corgi that we have. So we've kind of made it so that it can be incapacitated, but it can't like be gone forever. It's like a magical creature in, in that sense. Um, and there, and she's like mystically tied to it, but now that I think about it, like I've had NPCs run around with my players, but I don't think I've ever had any of them die. And I, th- I don't know. I think I would, I like Anar- Anaris is, uh, I like that where they don't get death saving throws. I think that's really makes it more real. I guess that it's like, no, they're gone. They got a dagger through the neck. There's no coming back from that. So sorry, yeah. unless you want to do some kind of resurrection magic or something, but, um, and it keeps the game rolling. Like they're not doing death saving throws. So you're not doing death saving throws. Um, True. treat yeah. them like monsters monsters don't get death saving throws so i don't know that's really interesting and i can see both sides of it i think i would have to lean on doing no death saving throws though because that makes them different from players and players yeah. should be different because they're players they're adventurers so yeah i think i was doing it because it happened early enough on that they had an npc that had information that they needed to have but went down super quick by just some random thing by accident. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this guy can't die quite yet. They need that information. So I made him unconscious and I was in front of them rolling death saves. So it showed them that this person went down and you've got about three ish rolls to either make the decision to save this person or not, or let him go. Mm-hmm. And I think just from then on, it just carried on, you know, I've kept it the same way throughout the whole campaign. Mm. So, but yeah, it's definitely, you know, there's lots of reasons probably to or not to. So hmm. that was something that came up when I was thinking about the Tuesday night game. Um, Thursday night game is a homebrew West Marches style um, adventure with five players. Fantastic game. Um, this is my experiment to, play a game where I don't do a lot of prep ahead of time. I might right. do maybe an hour of prep, oh, that's but awesome. it's a lot of other just, just reacting to what they're doing mm-hmm. and seeing where they're going. And the, and the session's going really good. Storm King's Thunder, I'm prepping way more to be ready for those sessions. Um, and they run pretty well, but this one where I'm prepping less seems to be running even better. And what it's doing, I think is forcing me to be a little bit better at improvising improv and improvisation but i know that i see a lot of dungeon master advice out there where they say they say they tell you this thing and for me if you're brand new i don't know if i would say that to you yet because not all of us have the ability to improv right out of the gate to figure out what the heck i'm going to do when i have five players making decisions and i've got to come up with what's going on on the fly you're learning the game, you're learning the pacing, you're learning with them at the same time. Maybe you're even teaching them at the same time. Yeah. I think you need to be slightly more prepared than what I think a lot of uh, advice out there says in the beginning. But I think what you want to do is you want to work towards less prep, more improv as you go, right? Mm -hmm. I think too often there's a lot of um, videos that you can watch from people that have been dungeon masters for 20 years. And in their brains now, after being a dungeon master for 20 years, it just makes sense because they are good at that improv. Yeah. And I think there's many of us getting into the hobby that we're not good at that yet. We have to practice at it first. No. And I'm going to disagree with you though, because it's a skill and you have to practice to do this skill. So if you never allow yourself to actually fail, like you have to fail and so um, prep as much as you think you need to prep. And, and that would be my advice. Like if you are a new dungeon master or any dungeon master, 
Um, you're just like, like, uh, with my game this last Sunday, um, I knew that they were going to wander in the desert. And so I had prepped a couple of roll tables so I could roll randomly and see what was on there. And that's all I prepped. And other than that, it's like, I don't know what I'm going to roll, but whatever I roll, we're going to improv it. And, and jumping in and just doing it, I think is way better than, than being overly cautious. And I don't know if that's exactly what you were trying to say, but it feels like you're saying like, well, yeah, yeah, no, no. Yeah. Like I'm disagreeing yeah, with you. Yeah. yeah, yeah if yeah, you're not good at it, then you need to, you need to like, you know, ease into, ease it. into it. And I'm like, no, you need to yeah, dive yeah, yeah. in. That's funny. Too, Cause if that, you yeah, dive cool. in, then it's like, you have to think on your feet and right. you're, well, I'll remember be honest back with to you, your first session. You're what? What, how'd your very first session go that you ever DM? Oh, it went terrible. Did you do that? <laughs> yeah, no, it went terrible because my players were doing things that I was not expecting. I overprepared my first session and I'm like, they're going to go from A to B to C. And then when we actually started playing, they're like, well, we're going to go to X over here. And this other guy's like, well, I want to explore Y. And that was when I realized, I'm like, well, I don't have any of that prepared so we just started improving, and and it was awful from my perspective. My players had fun, but like yeah. I was a nervous wreck because I'm like I don't know what I'm doing. To the point where I think I said to one of my players, I'm like I don't think you can do that, and they were like I thought this was Dungeons and Dragons. I can do anything, and I'm like well, but I wasn't plant. I mean, uh, <laughs> so just dive in. I don't know. Yeah, just yeah. To do it. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's the more moderation you do it, the easier it gets. And yeah, yeah, I think you have to yeah. do a little bit of both. Okay, but sure. There's Agreed lots disagree. of different ways to look at it and, <laughs> and do it. That's why you always have different DMs and they have different styles. And um, I know I underprepared in my first session, but had the same experience where I had to all of a sudden improv because I had not prepared enough. Right. Because they started asking me a bunch of like, and we were at a table when I did my first one. And so I didn't have readily accessible to me like internet to say they wanted to know every single NPC's name, every family name, right. every kid that ran by his name. And all of a sudden I don't have any of that stuff because in my head, that's none of that happened to be relevant, but they were getting into the story so much that I hadn't realized that. So yeah. all of a sudden, like you said, I felt like I'm stumbling around, but here's the key that where we're both exactly right. The players had fun no matter how much me or you look back on our sessions and yeah. said, oh, I don't think it was good, or I could have done better, or I wish I'd have done this. If you talk to the players, they had fun. They had no idea probably how much we might have struggled in our in our running the game because they don't really care. They're concerned about the story and their character and maybe mm. learning the game. They're not really paying attention to how well you're prepared. or how They're just there to make help you be successful yeah. and have a fun game. So you don't have to worry about that. It's all about beating yourself up a little bit, I think, when we look at those oh, yeah. kinds of things. But, yeah. you know, it's, it's good that we, we don't always have to agree on everything. That's good. It reminds me of uh, just a couple weeks ago, I introduced a new NPC that my players, like, randomly met. And my one of my players was like, well, what's his name? And I'm like, uh, Willem, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's his name is Willem, and he's from here. And they're just like, oh, uh, who's his mother? And they were doing this on purpose as a joke. They're just like, <laughs> uh, who's his mother? What kind of, like, political opinions does he have? And I'm like, screw you guys. <laughs> like, his name's Willem. He we're stopping you. with that. <laughs> you can talk to him some more if you want, yeah. but he's got very limited knowledge. <laughs> yeah. Well, or the other part here, this, this happened to me, too, where I made up a name on the fly seven sessions ago and they asked about him seven sessions later to and i had to try to remember who it was that oh, i made yeah. up this random name on the fly make good notes after your session so if you make up stuff 
make sure you're writing that down. So if it ever comes back up again, you're like, oh yeah, that dwarven blacksmith you met, yeah. really name was Rogar, not second name that I've given out because I've forgotten what we did seven, you yeah. know, seven sessions ago. And so. part of keeping notes for me is I'll, I'll jot down a name and maybe like a little blurb about him. But then after the session's over, when my players leave, I reopen that book and I'm like, okay, who was that and where? And I organize it. Because if I organize it after the session, then I seem to remember it. Um, and yeah. that's that's useful because then, yeah, seven sessions later, you're like, I remember writing that down and I organized it under NPCs here. But just in the moment, like jot down, his name's Willem. He's a blacksmith from Coldport. There you go. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I'm, try I'm trying out too. I'm experimenting because I'm always trying to figure out the right way, not the right ways, but the ways I like to do things. Yeah. And so King's, uh, Storm King's Thunder, I'm using a notebook, pen notebook, writing notes down and doing that. My other campaign I'm doing in OneNote, all on the computer completely mm -hmm. with links and pictures and everything. And I'm trying to decide which one I like best. It's funny because there's things I like about writing stuff down in a book, a physical book. Yeah. That's cool. But there's so much cool capability in OneNote for me to keep track of arcs and characters and pictures and music references and links back to what web pages I found those things on and then links to lists and treasure lists and, and re-roll these things. It's so there's both each have really cool benefits to using them. I haven't decided which one I'm going to stick with because I'm, I'm going through both campaigns, trying each one out. So be, if you're a DM out there and you're brand new, you're coming to the show looking at advice you're seeing how we're struggling through it. We're not telling you the right way or the wrong way. We're telling you our way. And then you can kind of pick like if yours might work for you or oh, yeah. you want to take little pieces of what Jordan does or you take little pieces of what Lucian does and then you make your way. And that's that's really the best way to become a DM is you're going to be your DM with a few pieces that you gathered from people that you like. Yeah, absolutely. So that was my week. That was my week in D&D. Three cool. games, good fun. How was your week in D&D? &D? Uh, pretty good. Um, I mentioned it earlier, but like we, I just had a bunch of roll tables for my Sunday game, and they're in the desert, and they're kind of wandering through the desert. Um, they picked up a couple of rusty robots from some ruins that they like repaired, and so now the, the ranger has these two robots that are following her around, and she's absolutely in love with them. She's like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to have them carry me and it's going to be like, I'm going to like Prince Ali from the desert. And I'm going to like come in on a, with a caravan of robots, like holding me up. And I'm like, whatever, that sounds awesome. But I knew that they were in the desert and I don't, I've, I've never done like a hex crawl before. That's something I want to try, but I really like random encounter tables and I like skill challenges. So instead of like crawling through hexes, I just say, you need to get from point A to B and we do a skill challenge. Everybody rolls initiative, and I stole this from 4th edition. Um, specifically, I stole it from a D&D podcast, a 4th edition real play podcast called Critical Hit. Um, and they they have some really... He, the, the Dungeon Master just had some really awesome rules for skill challenges, where everybody rolls initiative, and then you have to pick a skill that um, is on your sheet, and you have to create a story around that. So it might be like uh, you're walking and you're just like, I want to, it could be something simple. Like I want to use perception to kind of see if there's a, a particular path we should take. Or it could be like, I want to use survival to see if I can find some water in the desert. But through those skills, we create a, um, a story. And then they have to get so many successes before so many failures. So in the case of um, the, the desert one, they had to get eight successes before three failures. 
and whether they succeed or fail, something happens, but it's augmented. So in this one, they came across a sandstorm and part of the skill challenge was uh, figuring out how to get through the sandstorm and whether they wanted to like stop or whether they wanted to press on. And then after the sandstorm, some sand worms, some big purple worms attacked them. And because they won the skill challenge, I said that they had a surprise round against the purple worms. But if they had not failed, if they had failed the skill challenge, it probably would have just been a regular attack. Um, and then after that, they found an oasis and I was going through Tome of Beasts. Basically, this whole session was me wanting to play with new monsters. I'm like, I want them to fight purple worms. That seems awesome. Like, the worm can devour them. Like, I was really excited and did devour the fighter for a little bit. And so he was on the inside, like, slashing with his swords, but taking acid damage from the purple worm. Um, and the so they found an oasis, but I was flipping through Tome of Beasts. And there's a monster in Tome of Beasts called the Oozazasis. And it's an oasis, but it's actually a giant ooze. And so <laughs> they came That's and they're evil. just like, I, ha- I had them like roll investigation checks. And I'm like, and a couple of them passed. And I'm like, the water looks weird. And they're just like, what do you mean weird? And I'm like, well, it looks like water. But the more you look at it, it just looks weird. Um, and the other ones were role playing like, well, the water doesn't look weird to me. Like I walk over and drink some of it. So they started drinking some of this oasis water. And then the giant ooze like rose up out of this. And I mean, this is like a 30 foot cube ooze because it's like a giant oasis um really easy to hit only has ac7 but has like a crap ton of hit points um so they had to fight this giant ooze and uh my players were laughing a lot because they decided that this was the dad jokes of monsters and (laughs) we and i agreed i'm just like no that's really silly so (laughs) they beat this ooze and then they ended up leaving and found a caravan um and that was it. We, it was just kind of fun. Like I made a bunch of random roll tables for roll tables that were, this is uh, you guys encountering an oasis and this is you guys encountering purple worms. And this is you guys encountering a sandstorm. And it was all just randomly rolled. So I didn't know what, what was going to happen that night. And it was a lot of just improving my way through it. And now that they're past that, they're going to come to a section where they can either decide to go like they come to a fork in the road. They can go left or right. One of them will take them to another ruined temple, and one of them will take them to a giant city, and we'll decide which one they want to go to. So, in in the session, right? So how how are you? This is a cool question. Then how are you going to prep when there's two clear different directions your players can go, and you don't know which way they're going to go until you're in the session? So that's a good question, but I kind of half prep both, I guess. Okay, like okay. I I know. I have the ruined temple is something that I wrote. And so I wrote out all of the traps and all of the monsters and they can go there. And, and if they, if they do go there, they're going to find a bunch of like you and it's going to be this interesting little maze for them to get through. If they go to the city, um, I was on dungeon masters guild and I found a, um, adventure called scarab of death, which is like this high level adventure. And so if they go to the city, there's going to be events that propel them into there. How, how are they going to get, to that adventure i'm not sure yet but that's the improv aspect where i'm like once they're in the city i'll figure it out i'll have like a small little beggar boy walk up and be like you should go this way and see if they bite or not you know you just kind of figure it out yeah in my storm king's thunder i have that problem they are at a spot where they need to go to these burial mounds to pick up some artifacts that are buried at these burial mounds but they've been given a map that has something like 12 of them on it 
They have an airship that can get to any of them. Right. And our next session is, okay, you have your airship, you have your map, where are you going to go? So potentially, I have 12 different places Ugh. they could decide to go. Yeah, that's And I'm well, starting to think about <laughs> what the heck to do. But here's the trick. Here, here's what I, because my mind was spinning. I'm like, oh, this is going to be crap. Yeah. But here's what you do. You plan an encounter on the way to no matter which one they choose, right? The encounter gives you enough time in the session to play a cool, fun encounter for them while they're traveling to which one mm. they've ever chosen. And the session after that will be the one they actually chose. So if you get to a point where you've given your players a second branch, a third branch, or some big arcing choice, just put something in there that's a yeah. little buffer session to get you you know during the travel scene it's a it's a random encounter during wherever they're going to go and that allows you to say okay they've decided to go to uh the great gray worm cavern mound now i can prep that one and not have to worry about the other 11 yeah because i know they're going to have a random encounter of some sort before they go to any one of the things so that was the trick i'd told myself over this past week as i was agonizing about trying to prep 12 different because in the module they have them all set out. Yeah. Each battle's different. They have the NPCs that are there. So if you're if you're running Storm King Thunder, you could go into uh, anxiety attack, thinking about, oh my god, I got to know everything there is to know about all these different things. When in reality, you can just sit back and say, no, I'm going to throw an encounter at them. That's going to take up our three hour session, and then I'll know where they're going for the next session, and I can prep appropriately for yeah. that. So, and I think just like, and I was not smart because I didn't do this, but. Um, if you are clever, you can get your, your players to a certain area or a certain decision point at the end of a session and say, Hey, do you want to go to the city or do you want to go to the ruined temple? And at the end of that session, they can say, we're going to go to the city. All right, tune in next week because we're going to go to the city and then you know where they're going to go. Um, but I didn't, I didn't do this because we were kind of running late on time and I was just like, this is going to be a whole 30 minute scene we don't have 30 minutes. So I was like, I'll just like half prep prep both and we'll see where they go. I kind of yeah. have an inclination where they're going to go though. Um, and I might push them towards that as well. Uh, but ultimately it's their decision. So if they just say, no, Jordan, we don't like any of these clues you're dropping. We're going to go to the other one. And then, that's what so players do. I mean, they just make up their minds sometimes yeah. completely out of, you were like, I had no idea you were going to do that at all. Like <laughs> it never crossed my mind. That's what your group as a group was going to do. <laughs> and then I went to adventure league, um, which is fun. And I actually had a lot of fun as opposed to the previous time I went to adventures league. And there was like a player that was just driving me crazy. That player wasn't there this week. So that was kind of nice, but it was an eight person table. I think um, Adventure League is supposed to have a max of seven people at a table, but I showed up and they were just like, well, there's not another game running, so you can just sit with us. And I'm like, are you sure? Like, I can go home. I don't want to, like, ruin this. And they're like, nah, it's fine. And that is just way too many people to play D&D with. Um, I had fun, but it was a chaotic experience. And the only thing I wanted to ask you, because this is something that I I thought was interesting. I'm playing a bard, and we were fighting a bunch of rats. And I said, I want to cast Vicious Mockery on one of the rats. And the DM wouldn't let me. He's like, well, the creature doesn't understand the language. And I'm like, but the spell says that the creature just has to be able to hear me. But he didn't. He was like, no, I don't, I don't agree with that. Like, they have to understand you. So it got me thinking, like, the spell says creature, which would mean undead, uh, beast, like all, a whole bunch of creatures that couldn't necessarily understand you. Um, 
what do you what would how would you rule that because i was looking at it being like you totally nerfed me like why did i take this cantrip if i basically can only use it on humanoids no no yeah i would i would let vicious mockery be used because there are spells where they specify only if they under can understand language right um, there are some spells that say that yeah. so if vicious mockery was a spell that was like that it would have had some text in it that said this only works on creatures that have a certain intelligence and can understand some type of language. Yeah. If it doesn't have it in there, then it works. And it's basically, to me, RP-wise, I'm thinking you're making, like, um, predator noises, things that mess with the rat, things that scare it or intimidate it, or you're yeah. making more rat noises to say, ha-ha, I'm the bigger rat, you're a small rat, come at me, bro. But it's just, like, chittering or whatever, and it's 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 on that more primal level. I think the spells tell you when that's appropriate and when it's not. So for me, Vicious Mockery doesn't have that listing in there. I would yeah. I would let it go. It really threw me for a loop, because I'm just like, but the we're playing by the rules, and the rules say, and he's like, it doesn't make sense, so we're not going to not gonna do it. And I was like... Well, okay, because I was in and, and I liked your answer, but in my mind, it's psychic damage. So you're yeah. psychically hurting him with your song somehow. And it and translates magic. into like insults and things like that with a humanoid. But maybe with a rat, it's just like psychic damage. Like you're intimidating them with your presence or something. So, yeah, yeah. My, my nasty response to that. And this is not the appropriate response at the table for your <laughs> DM who's trying to. But my response is, OK, that doesn't make sense. But the drow elf next to me who can see in the dark 120 feet, that makes total physics sense right you know, we're in yeah. a world of magic and flying dragons yeah know, none of that makes any sense but that's where you're going to draw your your physics line you know of no 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 that's not logical so i'm always a little careful but rem i always think of this too i'm really careful about this is that um the dm has a tough job they have yep. a certain type of game they want to play they're giving up their time to make a game for other people for the most part and so i'm rolling because like it happened with anaris where he uh, we had a rule that killed my character that when we went back and looked at it would not have killed my character. And I wanted to argue a lot in the session because I knew Thunder Wave can be moved in a different way than it was. Uh -huh. But I was like, nope, this is your game. I'm not going to be the guy who's going to rule monger you. That's how you want to rule it. We'll let it rule it. And we talked about it after the session and we had a good discussion about it so that we have a way to say, well, when I think a rule does this or you think a rule does that, we have a way to discuss it, but we keep the game moving at the moment. So I think you're, it's a good idea to let the game continue and, that's and then what just I did, have a yeah. discussion at the end. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was just like, I was like, it's not worth the fight at this point because yeah, with especially with Adventures League, like next week I might have a completely new DM and I have to go through this again. So yeah. you never know. Be flexible, I think, as a character. If you're a player, be flexible. If one thing you wanted to do didn't work, don't get so set on that that it ruins your fun. Because I've seen a lot of players where they get in their mind that I want to jump on the fire giant's back and I want to stab my dagger in the back of his neck. I realize that's what you want to do, and it sounds super cool in your mind, but there's no mechanics in D&D that let you necessarily do that, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're at a table where the DM is like, you can't really do that. Be ready to do something else. Don't let that just be like, oh, all right, I'm, you know, I can't do the one thing I want to yeah. do. I'm, I'm checking out. Just come up with another cool, creative idea. Just find another way. Come at it. If you're that creative to come up with the first idea, you're going to be creative enough to come up with a second idea. Don't let that ruin you. If for some reason your DM didn't let you do the one thing. Right. Yeah. Um, 
and so that was my week in D and D. It was a lot of fun. Um, the only other thing that I that was fun is uh, I wanted to ask you: Have you heard of Dungeon Crawl Classics? I have, because I know there's a big growing community. I have not heard of it, but I will be playing in a Dungeon Crawl Classics game next Saturday at 1 p.m. Uh, Eastern. So right after the Saturday morning D and D show, I'm going to jump into a game um, with uh, Lex, who's in chat here. He's going to be the DM and run it, and what I wanted to talk about is the character creation because uh, Lex came to us and said, hey, make four characters. And I was like, four characters? And he's like, well, in Dungeon Crawl Classics, you start at level zero. You're basically like peasants. And then it's survival of the fittest. Like which of these characters will survive is interesting. Um, and you roll randomly to create this character, which I thought was really fun. So you literally go down like strength and agility and I roll 3d6 for strength, and then I write that down. And then I roll another 3d6 for agility. So not like Dungeons and Dragons where you can like roll and then place them where you want to. Like you just have to go down the line and roll them. So I have a couple characters that have like severe negatives, but a couple positives. And I have some other characters that are like more balanced at zero, but it's, and then you roll a profession and you roll um, equipment. So like one of my guys has a shovel because that's what I rolled. And I'm like, I don't know why he has a shovel, but it's interesting because you create the story based on what you roll. So I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, he's got a shovel or, oh, he's like uh, a farmer or something. I'll figure it out. And I, I like that aspect of it. And there is a book called Central Casting. Have you ever heard of Central Casting? No. Um, it's, and I should find it. Um, I'll send it to you later, actually, because you should probably own this book. And I have a PDF of it. But um, it's a way to make completely random characters like and it's for it's a it's generic enough that you can use it with just about any role playing system. But creating this dungeon crawl classics character made me think of this like you roll on your race and then you roll like a history. You roll how many siblings you have. You roll. um your wealth, like, are you noble? Are you this? And it's all done with these percentile dice rolls. And you're constantly flipping through this book being like, all right, I am a noble lizard man that was from the Northeast region of this. Um, and I've, I lost all my money to gambling and it's kind of that precise. And I've always wanted to run a game where I'm like, we're going to do everything completely random. Like I want you guys, you can choose say your class, but I want like race and everything else to be completely random. Um, so at some point, I don't know, check out central casting. I think it's out of print, but you might be able to find a PDF of it online if you dig around enough, but it's a really, really cool book. Yeah. There's a, a game that I played quite a bit early on after D and D was uh, Warhammer fantasy. And in that is the same thing. You, you can randomly roll everything from race to That's profession fun. to everything. And what I liked about it was, is yeah, you didn't spend a lot of time coming up with your backstory and and going through books trying mm-hmm. to make the perfect character. You were challenged to to play with what you had rolled, right? Yeah. So the idea was challenging you to say, yeah. And that comes up with those people who are, I think, have that improv gene, have that I can think <laughs> of on the fly gene. It's really cool, and it is fun. It is fun to be able to say, I have no idea what I'm going to sit down and play, and all of a sudden the dice gods say, oh, tonight I'm playing a paladin whatever. The dice gods say, oh, tonight I'm a thief. You know, who can do this or that? So I think it's cool to to come at that at some point. And DCC is supposed to be really fun. Um, There's a big growing community. I saw a ton of it at um, Gen Con last year, and I'm sure it'll be bigger this year too. 
uh, with lots of DCC games out there. So it definitely looks super fun. Uh, yeah, it looks like uh, Greybeard found some PDFs and stuff of it. So definitely check that out. And thank you, Greybeard, for finding that and putting it in chat. Um, yeah, uh, we had a... Do you want to answer some chat questions? Yeah, I saw one question. Do we have some others? Yeah. And then we I can wrap it up with some, some questions. If you guys have questions, you can write them in chat and we will try to see get as many we will try to get to as many as we possibly can i like this one from uh and i think it's going to be chong bombadil so a little reference to uh, lord of the rings there a little bit uh this one might be rhetorical or just funny but when do the outlandish ads for toys and sugar cereal begin yeah i'm hoping that we eventually get 80s sponsoring from like he-man and gi joe <laughs> cartoons and mattel and all those, yeah, and definitely cereal. We're here near Battle Creek, so cereal, that'd be cool. If um, you want yeah. to sponsor Saturday Morning <laughs> D&D Show, please email Jordan at, <laughs> or tweet but at for, me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for real questions, uh, what if you have the opposite problem? People constantly asking you to run games or too many people wanting to show up for the campaign. So Jordan, have you had trouble where everybody's heard that you're running a game and all of a sudden you have too many people? No wanting to play in your game. I wish that was my problem because, and I actually went to another group of friends trying to start like a Tuesday night game. Um, but they ended up being too busy as well. So it just kind of fizzled out. They were interested in it. They were like, no, that sounds a lot of fun, but, um, I don't know if it's just the location I'm at, the age range that I'm looking at. Cause you know, I'm in my thirties. And so all of my players are in their thirties or forties. Um, if I had like a bunch of 20 year old friends who had more free time that wanted to play games, but um, I have the opposite problem where I'm the one pestering people like I'll run games for you, but then they're just like, Oh, sorry. Tuesday, like just doesn't work online might be different. I don't, I don't tend to play a lot of online games. um, But I imagine if I started saying, Hey, I'd like to, I, Hey, I'm a DM online. I probably would get a lot more people being like, "Oh, will you run a game for us? Will you run a game for us?" But well, I was wondering with yeah. your with your Forgotten Realms YouTube videos, I was wondering if you had started getting messages about, "Hey, would you? I'd love to play a game with you." Have you started a couple of them, yeah. Like a couple right, people were right. saying, "Like if you ever want to play a game, like I'm I'm game," but uh, I'm just kind of like, "Well, I'm busy." Yeah. <laughs> and, so, and you're what? like that's awesome and cool but you're also just like random youtube commenter like kind of look at it from my right. perspective like i don't want to sound rude but it's like if i'm going to throw a game together i'd like to know the people i'm playing uh, a little bit more or maybe like people from my patreon or something like yeah 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 it was uh for me it's been <laughs> i'll I, try lex i'll I, try to be your online dm we'll see if, it make, <laughs> if i can make it work um I've actually have a ton of time to run games, so I've been able to mostly keep up. But there's definitely been a lot of I haven't had enough time to run all the games I want to run for sure. So it's just trying to mix and match because I'm looking for people that have decent microphone quality as far as yeah. when we're playing online. It'd be nice if we could do cameras, although that's not all of our games don't have cameras just because everybody doesn't do that. Um, we have a big game where we have seven players. We had up to eight at one point. Ugh. And that was starting to get a bunch where we've toned it down to somewhere around four or five seems to be the magic number for games for me. Um, but so far it hasn't been too bad. So that was one of the questions from Chong Bombadil. Uh, I thought I saw another one in there. Yeah, uh, there's a question one. for chat. Yeah, there we go. How do you balance the randomness that comes with rolling 
and players having different ideas with a larger narrative if you're a narrative DM. That's from Cyberwolf. Uh, how do I balance the randomness that comes with rolling? Well, if I don't want the outcome to change, um, or if there's not a, if I don't have a contingency plan for failure, I don't make them roll. Like if, if a door is locked and I'm just like, nope, you're a thief. It seems like a simple door to open. You can unlock it. Or I just won't make the door locked. But if I, if there's a chance that they don't go in that room, then there's a chance for the thief to roll to, to lock pick it. Um, as far as like with a large, it's a really good question. I'm not entirely sure how to, to, if you're with a larger narrative, I guess I would just say that like, if there's don't make them roll, if you don't want the outcome to be by chance, you know? Yeah. So, um, not like that, uh, like you, cause you have control of the DC, right? Yeah. Um, and even if somebody fails a DC, I, I, I've seen, um, Perkins talk about it. I've seen Merle's talk about it a little bit. The idea that a failure doesn't mean you don't do it. Sometimes a failure means it takes longer. You still do it. You succeed, but there's a complication. Right. A lot of games will do this where you get the success that you wanted or needed, but because you didn't roll well, I'm going to give you something bad that happens to mm-hmm. you. But the door still opens, like you're saying. Yeah. So in that context. Yeah, like the door opens, but there's poisonous gas. So everyone's poisoned yeah. for 10 minutes. Right. And that's or you your, break the lock, it can't be locked again. It can't. The yeah. door falls off the hinges, can't be right. shut again. Uh, it makes so much noise, it brings a random encounter of some sort. So they get what they wanted, but they there's a problem with it also. But I also, also would say, oh, like I've done, I've done um, money as a reward in this instance, and I was just thinking. So like my players, they're either going to go to this city or this ruined temple. How do I make them go? Like how do I nudge them in a direction? Well, if I say. Um, if if I say, hey, we'll hire you to to clear out this random temple um, for 500 gold, they're more inclined to do that than they are to do the city. And they pick up on that from me. Um, I was just thinking back to a time when uh, my players were in a new area and my one of my players said, do I know anything about this area? And I said, roll history. And she rolled a natural one. And I said, I want you to know this so you have advantage. And she rolled again and got like an 18, but I handled that completely wrong. I shouldn't have given her advantage. I should have just not had her roll. Like if I wanted her to know that there was a chance she could have rolled a one. If I wanted her to know the information, I should have said, yes, you do know things, you know, X, Y, and Z. If you want further knowledge roll now, but you know, at least what I want you to know. And then she could have rolled for like extra information on, I don't know, the eating habits of of the undead or something. <laughs> yeah. And and one thing I would caution that I think a lot of DMs fall into the trap of be careful about forcing your narrative on the players, right? Because in reality, we're creating a game that is their narrative and we're trying to create their hero story with a little bit tied into what we want to do also, but there are I've been in games where if you go off the rail that the DM wanted, they get aggressive. They like get upset. They are not happy that you're trying to climb a fence when he clearly said there's a fence there. No reason for you to go that way. Right. And you're like, but I want to go over and see that house. And he was like, no, no, no. My story is this. And you're on it. Don't be that DM. Be moderate, be in moderation. Right. So have your idea of what a cool story arc is, what a cool overarching thing is, but also make sure that you're giving the players 
plenty of room to have their own narrative and drive the narrative themselves and not you driving the characters along the narrative you want them to be on. So I would say be careful a little bit um, that as far as you can, you know, and I think all of the other stuff we said was really good too. And something we've just been saying this entire time is practice. The more you do this, the more you're like, oh my gosh, I'm like, my players are upset. I'm forcing them to do this you kind of figure it out. You're like, and I've done that too, where I was just like, oh, like when I was a baby DM, there were lots of times where I'm like, oh, I'm I'm really railroading here. And I hate to use railroad because there's a certain amount of railroading that has to happen. Like the players have to go on the adventure. Um, but when you're actively saying no to them, uh, it really hinders the game and try to not do that, I guess. And I did that early on. I'm just like, well, no, like the, you can't go over the fence the fence is electrified. Yeah, it's like, well, 10 I feet cast high. this spell that like gets rid of the electrification of the fence. And I'm like, well, yeah. your spell fizzles and doesn't work because there's an anti-magic field. Like you can always one up them, but that's not fun. Like let the players use the tools they have to figure things out. And maybe they do climb that fence, but what do they find on the inside is just like a black pudding that attacks them because that black pudding is guarding a like magical dagger. And there you go. Like there was nothing there for them to find except a magical dagger. But I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah, be ready to turn their narrative into your narrative. And I think yeah, if you're thinking about that in the beginning, yeah. if you're thinking about that in the beginning, don't think of it as because so many people say I'm writing a book and they're just my players in my book. You know, that's not what it is at all. This is a collaborative game that we all come together to play and everybody has an equal part i don't have a higher part than they do they don't have a higher part than me Mm -hmm. we're all working together and we got to try to remember that so for me as a dm that's what i'm trying because i have like playing a a a storm king thunder module you feel like oh it's the module so they must go from point a to point b to point c because that's what the module says that's not how you should run that you know let them wander around bring find ways to bring them back naturally to A and B and C, because you can have A.1, A.2, then finally come back to B. You know, you'll get there. You'll, you yeah. can bring them back around. Let them explore. Let them have their their narrative, um, I think, is, is good advice. Because they don't know. Like, that's the other thing is they're, the players aren't mind readers. They don't know what you are necessarily trying to get them to do. Like, let them just explore, because that's part of the fun of the game. So, yeah. Yeah. And they try to think of what you're doing. It was the perfect <laughs> example of that was my one-off comment. We talked about this in a, in a previous show where I just flippantly had said um, two of the scouts have been missing for two weeks. And my players took that as this is the main storyline and he must want us to go find these scouts. They thought that was my storyline. That had nothing to do with anything I had set up. That had nothing to do with the adventure. I had just mentioned it to add flavor to the camp that they were in. And all of a sudden, it kind of, they were all set about it because they Mm. were trying to anticipate, well, where does he want us to go? You know, so you can never guess. You just be ready to kind of roll with it a little bit and have fun with it. That's pretty good. All right. Well, we're getting close to the end here. Yep. Uh, we went a little bit over just answering some questions, but we had some good chat interaction. And that's why we're looking at chat every now and then here and there. Um, and we usually have some extra stuff, but it feels like we we got to the end of our show. Do you want to take us out? Yeah. Um, I just want to plug uh, Lex's uh, game again. The Dungeon Crawl Classics games will be at 1 p.m. on n- next Saturday at Nerd Immersion's channel. So search Nerd Immersion. Um, and we will be playing uh, that on Twitch, so that's going to be really exciting. Um, anything happening in your life that you want to plug, other than your shows? 
next Saturday for sure. Oh uh, yeah, tomorrow. of course. The yeah, Saturday yeah, morning Saturday, D&D show. Please yeah, come in Matt next Colville. Saturday. Because <laughs> we're going to have Mr. Matthew Colville here, and we're going to awkwardly ask him some questions, and hopefully that will be interesting and not awkward. Yeah. Like, I, I'm, I'm so scared that I'm going to be like, so uh, your color, what favorite color do you have? Like, <laughs> But we are. We're honestly coming up with some good questions, and I think uh, Matt loves to talk. So it'll be it'll be good and interesting. He's so a good storyteller. So he's going to yeah. tell some stories, I'm sure. Yeah. So please tune in uh, for Mr. Matt Colville on the Saturday morning D and D show next Saturday, same bat time, same bat channel. Yeah. Um, tomorrow night I have uh, the standard array. We're talking about world building with PB plays inside, and it's it's more about RPGs and not necessarily centered mm-hmm. around Dungeons and Dragons. Um, and so that should be a pretty good show. What and time my is My regular that? shows on. Uh, that one is at 8 p.m. Eastern Sunday night. Sunday night, and that's Lucian. Yep. He he's uh, he's got another D and D talk show called The Standard Array. So for those of you interested, well, pre- RPG talk or show. RPG talk show. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So be sure to check out that out because it's a lot of fun. I've I've been watching it um, when I can catch it, <laughs> catch the VOD, I guess, because I'm usually busy yeah. Sunday nights. But yeah, and that's that's the big things that are coming up. Um, Lots of stuff that hasn't been announced yet, but keep an eye out because I've got some more cool, cool things that are happening on the channel. Some with Jordan, some not um, with other uh, people that we have even in the channel here, Greybeard and um, those. Oh, and we got Gen Con scheduled. So we're me and Greybeard um, are definitely going to Gen Con. I'm trying to talk Jordan into it. We'll see. Maybe we can all get out there and we can do a, a meet and greet out at uh, Gen Con. This that would year. be a fun. Yeah, I definitely want to go. It's just a matter of timing. And getting through my, getting through all the other travel that I have coming up in my life. But yeah, thanks again for watching, everybody. Um, really excited to have you here, and thanks for watching on YouTube. If you guys are catching the VOD later, uh, I'm trying to think of what else is going on. I think that's about it. So, just uh, keep playing games, guys, because it's fun. <laughs> Follow us yeah, on Twitter for latest <laughs> news and things like that. We always tweet out new new episodes of things and. Um, when we're live streaming. So be sure to check that out. And we will see you all next Saturday. Thanks again. Thanks for joining, guys. Bye. Our intro and outro music is 8-Bit March by Twin Musicom, licensed under Creative Commons. Check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org.